sang a piece entitled, We Shall Behold Him. That word, behold, is an interesting word. As you think about it, it means to look at, to direct your attention to, to gaze upon and to observe, to see as it truly is. We are told on multiple occasions throughout the New Testament to behold Christ. We're told to look at Him, to observe Him, to gaze upon Him. I think a lot of people glance at Jesus. They give Him a passing glance through life. And their impression of Him or whatever religious presentation was given to them in childhood or adolescence doesn't fulfill the felt needs of their life, and they decide to go on through life without him. What a terrible and tragic mistake that is. Because if we were to heed the advice of Scripture, if we were to heed the song of this choir this morning and actually behold Christ, we would find that he is greater than anything we could ever imagine. The first time we are told to behold him is in John chapter 1 verse 29 when John the Baptist sees Jesus coming at a distance and he says, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. As we behold Christ, we see the embodiment of the sacrificial lamb. For you and I, we are not overly familiar with the lamb's role as they were in Israel. But for the audience that John was speaking to, those words evoked a lot of images in their mind. You see, they had a 4,000-year history of sacrificing lambs. It was the prescribed means for temporary atonement throughout the Old Testament. It was significant on the night of the Passover that when God was going to deliver them out of Egypt, they were instructed to take a year, a lamb of the first year without spot, without blemish, to sacrifice it and to spread its blood on the doorpost of their house and that the blood would allow the death angel to pass over. And from that day forward, there had been multiplied millions of lambs that had been sacrificed by the Israelites, by every family, so that when John says, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, they understood that this is the one who was to come, the type that was presented in all of those sacrificial lambs. He is innocent, not guilty of any crime, just as those lambs were innocent. He is a substitute, just as those lambs were a substitute for those households and for their sins and for their families. And he would be an atonement, which is what the shed blood of the lamb was. It was a covering. It was satisfying a requirement for blood. The next time we are told to behold him is at Pilate's judgment hall. After he has been arrested, he's been beaten, he is bloodied, he is disfigured as they've plucked the beard from his face and ripped the skin from his back. And he is in immense pain. 
And it is at that point in John 19, 5, that Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Jesus was unlike any other man. He was the God-man. He was the Son of God who took on human flesh and the divine in a hyperstatic union was melded with the humanity and Christ becomes the bridge between God and man having both human nature and divine nature. And when we are told to behold the man, what we are seeing is that he came to be the sacrifice for us. How could you behold that man upon the cross and not be moved by his sacrifice for you? Whether you believe in him or not, how can you not see him giving his back to the smiters, his head to the crown, his face to those who would punch him, his hands and feet to the nail, and to be put to that type of death for you and not be impacted by what you see. That great prophet Isaiah in the 53rd chapter gives us a picture of Messiah who would come as a lamb who is silent before the slaughter and that he is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief and that he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. When we behold the man at Pilate's judgment hall, we behold Christ being sent to the cross. From here he will be taken to Golgotha, nailed to that cross, and for six hours in a public display for all to behold. They will glare at him and they will jeer at him, but they do not see that he is hanging on that cross for them. Maybe you've seen pictures, renderings, of what people imagine the crucifixion would have looked like. No doubt you've seen a crucifix hanging in someone's house, or perhaps you've seen it portrayed on the screen. And while you may accept the historical fact that Jesus was executed in that manner, have you beheld Him to consider that He is on that cross for you and for me? As that dark day comes to an end... They place his lifeless body in the tomb. Many think that that is the last time they will behold him. No doubt those religious leaders who called for his crucifixion thought that they were finally rid of this thorn in the flesh, that they didn't have to see his face anymore. But three days later, Jesus rises from the grave. And we are instructed to behold him once again. But this time, not as the lamb, not as the man, but as the resurrected Lord. Do you remember that when he first appeared to his disciples and they saw him at the resurrection, Thomas was not with him. And when Thomas comes, they said, he's alive, he's risen from the dead. And Thomas says, it's impossible, nobody comes back from the dead. I know he is dead. And a week later, Jesus appears to the disciples, and this time Thomas is with them. And Jesus says to Thomas, behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. Behold, Jesus is risen from the dead. 
And he still bears in his body the wounds of the crucifixion. They are still fresh as the day that he received them. Not because he doesn't have the power to heal them, but because they are the testimony of his atonement for our sins throughout all eternity. When God looks at us, he looks at the wounds in his son, and he knows that the price for our sin has been paid. We're informed that Jesus was seen alive after his resurrection by over 500 eyewitnesses. The Apostle John describes how they beheld him when he writes these words, We have heard, we've seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled. And because of that, John writes his gospel. And then he writes 1 John. And then he writes the book of the Revelation, all with the express purpose so that we can behold him. You see, we know that Jesus lived in a period of time 2,000 years ago and that human history would go on after that and not everyone would have the opportunity to be an eyewitness. And so God in his sovereignty inspired men to pen the record. And the record that you find in your Bible is the record of his resurrection so that you and I can behold him. But I say to you, as we behold Him, we cannot help but to behold His love. You see, that same John wrote in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Oh, friends, when we behold Christ, we are not seeing the wrath of God. We are seeing the embodiment of the love of God. There are those who reject God on the ideology that He is this crusty old judge sitting in heaven waiting to strike everyone down. No, He is a righteous God who cannot bear sin, but He is love. And He sent His Son to die for our sins so that He could forgive us. And so when we behold Christ, we behold His love. It would be impossible to look at Jesus, His life, his death, His resurrection, and His salvation without seeing His love for us. It was all for you. And it was all for me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. He lives that life in the flesh because He loves you. He dies that death on the cross because He loves you. He rises again from the grave because He loves you. He sends His church into all the world to preach the gospel because He loves you. His love brought Him to earth. His love took Him to the cross. His love raised Him from the grave. His love carried salvation to the world. And His love compels him to return for us. The picture of Christ is not complete until we get to the last book of the Bible. Where we do not see him as a sacrificial lamb, a suffering savior, a risen Lord, or a loving shepherd. But this time we behold him as a conquering lion. Revelation 5, 5 says, And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, 
hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals. Unfortunately, some people like to extract one portion of Jesus' life and construct an imaginary Jesus. For some, it's the baby in the manger. Oh, just think about how nostalgic people get about the baby in the manger at Christmas time. And people who would never confess to believe in God or to give their lives to Christ love the idea of this hopeful birth of one who would make peace in the world. And so some people say, well, I, I believe in the baby Jesus. There are others who see him in his earthly ministry and they read the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes and they say, this is the Jesus that I like. He's the Jesus who's talking about the poor and needy. He's, talking, he's the Jesus who's talking about the justice that will come when the powers are toppled and the low rise up. He's the Jesus who talks about doing good and how that we are to be good neighbors. And while that is part of who Jesus is, it is not all of who Jesus is. There are those who want to take Jesus simply on the cross. And they want to keep him hanging on that cross in perpetuity. And he is always on the cross. But can I tell you, if that's the only way you see Jesus, you have not truly beheld him. It is in the totality of his humanity and his divinity that we see who he truly is. He is the babe in the manger, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. He is the teacher who teaches us how to live through this world. He is the man who goes to the cross and dies for our sins. But he's also the Lord who rises again from the dead, who has great benevolence and grace as he sends the gospel into all the world, beckoning all to be saved, to hear and to believe and to have their sins forgiven. But make no mistake about it, he is coming back as a roaring lion one day and for those who reject this Jesus they will not find a helpless babe in a manger they will not find a kind teacher they will not find a suffering servant on the cross they will find a roaring lion who brings with him the wrath of almighty God for our sins make no mistake about it one day everyone shall behold him for those who know him, there will be tears of joy. I long for that day, and those who know Christ do too. And the heavier the burdens of this life get, the more I look forward to that day. Just thinking about it can bring tears to my eyes sometimes. But for those who do not know him, there will be tears. But they will be tears of sorrow. You see, because the book of Revelation says this, Behold, He comes. Look for Him. Fix your eyes to the sky. Gaze because He is coming back with the clouds. And every eye shall see Him. And they also which pierced Him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of Him. And they will either be crying tears of joy or tears of sorrow. And so I ask you today, 
Do you want that day to be a happy day or a horrific day? It all depends on what you do with Jesus. Because there is one more admonition to behold him. Back in the book of John, John chapter 19, verse 14, Pilate presents Jesus to the Jews, not as the man, but as your king, with these words, Behold your king. You have an opportunity here. He is set before you. You can look at him. You can behold him. You can recognize him as your king. But what did they do in that day? Their response was, away with him. Away with him. We have no king but Caesar. Oh, friends, you may not picture yourself in that jeering crowd calling for his crucifixion. But if you've never accepted him as your sovereign king, the declaration of your heart is, away with him, away with him. I will not have that man to rule over me. And so as we behold Christ, we must behold him as our king. I ask you today, will you behold him as the lamb of God sent to take away the sins of the world? Will you behold him as the man of sorrows wounded for our transgressions? Will you behold him as the risen Lord with the power of the resurrection? Will you behold him as the loving Savior offering the gift of salvation? Will you behold him as the conquering lion who prevails against all his enemies? And will you behold him as your sovereign king Worthy of worship. Because he is coming back. And we shall behold him. Either as a welcomed savior or a dreaded judge. And so I ask you, what do you see when you behold Jesus? Would you bow with me this morning? We bow our heads for just a moment. It gives everybody else around us a little bit of privacy. And it gives us the opportunity to talk to God. Perhaps you're seeing Jesus again for the first time. That happened to me when I was 21 years old. I'd been raised in church. I had heard the stories about Jesus. I had sat through many a Sunday school class and a vacation Bible school. But it wasn't until I was a young adult that I heard somebody tell about the death of Jesus on the cross when I actually saw him for who he is and for what he had done for me. And it was on that day, 25 years ago, that I gave my life to Christ and I asked him to be my Savior. I ask you today, have you ever given your life to Christ? Have you placed your faith and trust in him? Do you believe in the Jesus of the Bible? If you've never done that, but you'd like to today, it is, simply, it is as simple as putting your faith in Him, saying a prayer between you and God, confessing that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, 
believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again the third day, asking him to forgive you of your sins and asking him to save you. And the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, friend, we will all behold him one day, either as our Savior or our judge. I beg you to make the right choice today. Oh, God, I thank you so much for the clear picture of Christ that is given in, to us in Scripture. The very fact that we are people who are removed from him by thousands of years and thousands of miles we get an up-close examination every time we open up the Bible. Father, I pray that for those who know and love Christ, that every time they behold him, he grows sweeter and dearer to them. Father, I pray if there's anyone here today who does not know Christ, I pray that today as they behold him, that they would desire him to be their Savior and Lord. And I pray that today they would surrender their will and their life to you and ask you to be their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that just as you came the first time, that you would come again soon. We look forward to beholding you face to face. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.